Hello, and welcome to the FM Podcast. I'm Jen Fritz, and I run Fritz Media, a music publicity and digital marketing firm located in Vancouver, Canada. And this is episode number 15 of the podcast. So we all know that branding is something that is very important for musicians. It's one of those things that can feel like just one more thing to add to the list of all of the things that you have to do as a musician in 2021, but it is one of the most important parts of being a musician. Figuring out who you are as a musician and how you're going to express that to the world as an extension of your music should be one of the first things that you do in your music career. So the topic of this week's episode is branding and content creation for musicians. And joining me on the show is Brandon William Fletcher. Brandon is a Vancouver-based art director and filmmaker, and he runs his own creative studio called Faked Potatoes. His images and work have been commissioned by a wide range of clients, including M83, Manila Gray, Scott Hellman, Warner Music Group, Universal Music, and Blonde Diamond. He's also a board member at Music BC, and he recently made the long list for the 2021 PRISM Prize for Best Music Video of the Year. Brandon and I had a great chat, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Brandon William Fletcher. Well, hello, Brandon. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. (laughs) That's always such a terrible question. It's honestly becoming annoying to even say it's an annoying question at this point. Well, nobody knows what to say. And so we're all kind of saying the same thing, which is basically, (laughs) I guess I'm okay, or as well as I can be. All things considered. Yeah, like, it's some version of that. And then you just like end up doing this stupid dance around this pandemic sucks. eh? So (laughs) well, if we're we're being genuine, I I am I'm feeling I'm feeling really good today. It's sunny-ish out, got some dopamine flowing through my body, like all the things I need right now. You know what, I am actually having that as well. I feel really good today. It's funny in the city when the sun comes out, how you're just like, oh my God, it's so amazing. Yeah. You can do anything now. My depression is cured. Yeah, totally. We're fine. We're fine. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think it's that and like, you know, amping up to summer. People are getting vaccinated. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. A combination of things. So let's, uh, we'll find silver linings and stuff. Stay gold. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> of course. So uh, you and I have known each other for a while. I was thinking back to when I, I, I first met you, and I think it was during the Peak Performance Project. Is that the, the first time I met you? That is my recollection as well. Yeah, I was just drinking from a Peak water bottle for my workout this morning, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at the time, you, you were shooting all of the, the video content at the boot camp, the Peak Performance Project boot camp. W- what was your official job there? Like, Were you creative di- director for... For the peak performance project, uh, I would say for the project, yeah, a creative creative director. It was uh, like almost all the videos you saw, but also the print work, the digital web ads, the album covers, the posters, like the whole shebang. Everything you did it all. Yeah. So you, I did you it created all. the whole look of everything, yeah. which is what you do basically. <laughs> which is what I do. <laughs> all right, so let's back it up a little bit. You, you currently run a creative studio in in Vancouver called Faked Potatoes. Uh, you create images and videos for your clients, many of whom are musicians. But I want to know, like, how you got to that point. What were you What were you doing before you you started running your own creative studio? 
Honestly, I think most of it just sort of stemmed from frustration. I grew up in Vernon and then like a little bit outside of that, Lavington. So Coldstream, small town my whole life. And I just sort of, I was always frustrated and annoyed by this idea that just because people were in a small town, they didn't have to do good logo work or graphic work. Just driving by all these businesses with bland images and and just growing up in the internet too, where you can sort of see what other countries and cities are doing. It seemed like a cop-out to me and I didn't see why there's any reason that like world-class work couldn't be done in places. Um, so mostly it just was OCD hating logos <laughs> at first. <laughs> and I also love movies at the same time. So I, I probably shouldn't be admitting this because the FBI will be hot on my tail, but I used to duplicate VHSs back in the day. <gasps> I know, but I would also, I collected these, like you'd buy packs of 100 VHS plastic tape, like outside pieces, and I would I would design the covers for them. So I'd find the information online and the images and create collages for the front if I couldn't find the original movie thing. And, and like I would design the whole VHS cover for all these movies. I had a collection of probably like 2,000 or 2,500, just like a library. Oh, cool. In the basement. So I think that's probably where it started was it was just doing like 1996 Word document and Corel draw graphics for these copied pirated VHS, uh, my personal library. That's amazing. I, I, I it's funny to think like I grew up in a small town too, but this was it was before the internet. So I I feel for you like in the sense that I you know I knew that there was a bigger world beyond me but I didn't have it at my fingertips so yeah. it was it was a little different so at least you at least you had the internet but. I was I was just at the cusp of that it was like the perfect time where I feel like for coming of age uh having that technology and, and that ability and that thirst for just like more totally no I I get that I think that's like either you have it or you haven't if if you grew up in a small town like if you have it you don't live in the small town anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And nothing wrong if you want to. Like, we all have our own definitions of success. For oh, some people, it's totally. the two and a half kids and picket fence thing. Uh, not for me. No, <laughs> me neither. I got I got out <laughs> as quick as I could. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, still have a lot of great friends there and I, and I visit and it's nice. So yeah. it's all good. We all have our choices mm -hmm. in life. We do. All right. So uh, we all know how important branding is for musicians and how it, important it is. For your business, because, you know, let's face it, musicians are basically running their own business, you know. At this day, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's essentially what they're doing. It's so important, and it's often an afterthought for for many artists. Um, mm. What are some common mistakes that you think musicians make around their outward-facing branding, like on their socials and their, their website, et cetera? I think you actually, you nailed a big one that is, uh, I'm loath towards use the word frustration again, because it, it sort of implies a lack of uh, coordination between parties or a disconnect. But really, it's coming too late in the game, making images an afterthought. It should be one of the first fucking things that you think about when yeah. you're putting the album together. Um, I know a few musicians that will put a mood board up while they're making an album. Some people might have musical references, some people might start from scratch, but some people fully just have a wall of images up that they're looking to. And, and as they're working and writing these songs and then they're getting their EP together or their LP, they look back at this board and they say like, is this song blue enough? Is this song David Lynch enough? And like these images help them as a blueprint to get them back on track. And the song might not be bad per se, but they realize within this framework of the job they're putting together, it maybe doesn't fit 
in line with it. So I, I think if you're thinking of imagery right from the start, it might help them define what they want to do with their album. But more importantly, it puts them in contact with a creative from the get-go. I love to hear early demos. I know people don't always like to share that kind of a thing, but the longer I can have ideas percolate with an artist, with a project, with the concept they're working with, and when I can see that project grow and the stuff that drives them to make one decision versus the other, that is a huge definer for for what I do on the graphic side that really helps to motivate the direction I'm going with. The longer it can sit there, the more ideas come naturally. I feel. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, your work specifically, you have a, you have a particular vibe and aesthetic to, to your work. You certainly have your own look, which is great for you, for what you do. Like, I can look at something and know it came from you. I love that. Which... Yeah, which is fantastic. That's, you know, that's what all creatives should should strive towards, right? You want to stand out. You want somebody to know it, it is your work. Um, are you particular about who you work with because of this certain aesthetic? Like, are there certain artists that maybe wouldn't fit the overall vibe of what you do? Uh, I think so. And again, I, I don't want it to be, feel like it's a, a personal attack against other people. I've been fortunate enough that in the last few years, I've been able to be a bit choosier with the projects that do come my way. I mean, there's still a regular commercial work that you have out there that pays the bills and stuff, and that has to blend in with anybody else's stuff. But if I'm if I'm doing a creative project, I really want something that's going to speak to me or that's going to connect with me or the artist is going to be a weirdo in the same way that I'm a weirdo. <laughs> Otherwise, it does feel like a bit of an uphill battle for both parties. Like, I, I don't, I'm not particularly interested in a paint by numbers project where someone comes to me with a fully formed idea and then I just sort of fill in the blanks. Like, I really do love the back and forth, the yes ands and the no buts is some of the exciting part of it for me, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, um, so like uh, more that, more of a collab you like doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that being said, it's also, I think, important to recognize those projects that are going to be a challenge, things that are outside of the wheelhouse that you're typically set up that you can say, hey, this is different than what I've done, but uh, still in that, whatever that vein is, that magic realism or the dark side of the, the woods that I'm, I'm always drawn to, perhaps. Yes, your stuff is so dark. It's dark, like I, I like in a good way. I, I love it just for that, like super dark, sexy aesthetic that you have. I, I I think it's great. Atmosphere. Yeah, totally. It's just, it's such a vibe. It's so cool. Let's move on over to like content creation is something that, that that's really important in the music industry, you know, given the Instagram and TikTok world we live on, live in. It's something that's so important for, mu for musicians, but it's also a lot. <laughs> it's a lot God, for artists yeah. to do. Like, you know, they already have so much to do on top of just creating music. And now like they just kind of like have to become content creation churners. You know, what kind of advice would you give to a, an indie artist that has no idea where to start with creating content for their social media? Uh, that is an excellent question um, because it can be so overwhelming. I think your biggest thing is to know yourself and to an extent your audience. I get that the, the understanding of your audience is a thing that takes time. Some of it's really just pretty touch and go. You try something and if it works, it works. You throw as much shit at the wall as you can and see what sticks. But when you have a better idea of who your audience is and, and, and what you're trying to do, I think then you can decide what social media is even worth it. I, th I think saying no is a really important thing that you get when you're getting out of that that starter artist place and getting more intermediate and, and magical where do you need a Facebook? Maybe, maybe everyone's on Facebook. I get along fine with that when I'm not a musician personally, but maybe you don't need to spend your time on TikTok or maybe your songs are super catchy and you get a bunch of people doing dances and TikTok's your number one priority. I think figure out what social media is worthwhile because 
98% of the stuff that's out there is just noise. And I mean that from like personal distractions, our own uh, vices that we get trapped up in, spending time on social media, like so few of real life, so little of real life is actual of value to you. I think you just got to focus on those parts and drown the rest of it out and pop your head up once in a while because social media platforms do change and, and the directions of them can shift and, and the trend can go and your music might be in the right spot. But I think just find out what isn't necessary for you. You won't always know what is necessary, but when you can start saying no to stuff that's getting in your way or stopping you, we're just taking up your damn time because yeah. social media <laughs> takes up so much fucking time. No, it, it really does. And, you know, we've been sort of giving that advice to, to a lot of our clients too, is, you know, if you don't like Twitter, like even though as much as I hate to say it, because I do like when they are on Twitter, <laughs> Of course. So, you know, I, I would prefer that you are on Twitter. But if you don't like it or if you don't like Facebook, just focus. Yeah. yeah. Like focus on Instagram and TikTok or whatever, whatever you're good at. Yeah. It's it, because you can't you can't do it all. <laughs> no. And, and especially when you, you really do need to take care of your mental, especially right now, you've got to take care of your mental health. We're already spending time on screens all day long. Do you want to take your time off to put it into more screens? I don't know if that's healthy. Yeah. And then it's just the idea that I've got to create all this content. I have to create all of this content. And, you know, to your point, like it's kind of more quality over quantity sometimes. Like think about what you're putting into the world instead of just thinking I have to post something. You know, and that's a really that's a hard one. You want to give people enough time to miss you and but not forget you when you're doing that quality over quantity. Exactly like you're saying, I've, I've been leaning personally even into my own work, just posting quantity rather than thinking like, well, this last picture was of a person. This next one should be an empty thing. And I've got to organize it by color palette. Just fuck it. If I've got good stuff, I want to put it out there. I love that Instagram took away likes. That was amazing for me. Yeah. And, and I think that when you have that quality, when people come across your page, it might seem like a mishmash, but they're going to see that everything you do has a purpose. And that is a driving factor behind gaining fans. Absolutely. No, that is a tough one. I mean, I even have that too. Well, my grid doesn't look like it could look a little oh, bit right. better. <laughs> but And then you see other people's grids and you're like, it's incredible. <laughs> but no. Why don't I look like that? No, but you're right. It's just like, who cares? Just post. Like it does Authenticity. That's right. That's what it's all about is authenticity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the world we live in, in in 2021, it's a world where it's a super easy to create and edit videos. Uh, everybody that has a phone that can do it, which, you know, is crazy. Yes. But that doesn't mean that, you you know, you're going to be amazing at it, right? Like, it doesn't mean just because you can do it that you'll be really good at it. I know, like, many higher level musicians have content creators on staff to, to do that for them. But since most musicians don't have that kind of cash, uh, <laughs> what, what can they do if they, if they don't happen to be blessed with the gift of being a photographer or videographer? Like, should they should they learn how to do that? Is that a skill that is valuable or should they, you know, find a friend <laughs> that can do it well? Or <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'm personally biased. I say learn how to do it because then you can control your image more than anybody else can. You might find your own limitations, but ideally you have some level of taste where you know a direction you kind of want to go and you can figure some stuff out. Uh, obviously, if you've got a friend that is good at it, trick them into doing it, you know, find some great way to collaborate, find something that helps both of you gain exposure from it. That's how I got more into photography was just like, I've got all these great musician friends and a lot of them are badass women. And I feel like there's not enough pictures of badass women. So I just <laughs> ask them if I could photograph them and then people started coming to me and it just it flew on they get free promo pics out of it I get practice with the camera that was great but again I, I understand that like 
find what you want to do and do it and find the stuff you don't like and don't do it. And if you absolutely hate that graphic part of it, find someone who not only cares for you, but cares a great deal about that. Find people that love doing the stuff that you hate to do. Yes. And hire them. And that doesn't always mean money. I get, especially in the beginning, it's so hard, but you can, you can trade skills or collaborate or make them a meal or, or something. Yes. But w- when you have those people that care about the stuff you don't care about then, and they're taking it on, you'll be blown away by how fast your career rockets forward. Dude, that is such an important piece of advice and one that uh, I am still learning. Me too, every fucking year. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's still, I mean, I will say in the past couple of years, I've gotten good at it and just realizing, you know what, Fritz, you could take some time to, to learn how to do that if you want. But do you know what would be better? is if you just hired somebody to do it for you. <laughs> and taking that time, as we were saying about that, like 98% of stuff is noise. If you say, yes, I'm going to take this time to do this thing now, that means saying no to something later. It's going to be a sacrifice. It has to be a trade-off. Yes. We have limited hours in the day. Or it just means you'll never learn how to do it and it just keeps getting put on the back burner. Like, Oh, one good, of those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? Yes, I do. Or, well, like, for example, like, I, I kept saying I wanted to, you know, um, really tweak the SEO, you know, for, for Fritz Media and for our Google, like, just, you know, how, you, like, you Google yourself, your business, our Google business platform. Um, that's what I was looking for. I'm an old person. I can't remember things anymore. But <laughs> anyway, so I was like, well, I, I could do that. Like, I know how to do that. But I just kept putting it off. And then finally, I just paid somebody to, to do it for me. And I was like, well, that was a smarter decision, wasn't it, Jen? <laughs> like- Jen Fritz, there is absolutely nothing I hate more than SEO optimization. The, like, the, thought, the, thought, the thought of logging into my website and going page by page and going to my YouTube and adding the keywords and using the rights. Like, I, I glossed over while I was telling you that to myself. Yeah, I, I glossed over listening to it. I, and so. that's fair. And so it's just like you don't want to do it. You know what's important for your business, so just pay somebody. That's There are professionals out there that do this thing better than we ever will. Yeah, like for sure. Like that's the thing. Like that's their job. So even if I learned how to do it, <laughs> I still wouldn't be as good as that person, right? And then it's this, this thing, annoying thing that's sitting on your shoulders every month. Like, oh, I've got a new post. How do I optimize that? I've got to update these. It's just, no, I hate it. No, I don't like it. No, that's it. So, you know, anybody listening. Get a team. Get a team. Yeah. It's a good... Good piece of advice right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, before we kind of wrap it up a little bit here, I I wanted to ask you uh, about, you know, what you think about all of this constant content churning, like say... Uh, how if uh, you're an influencer on TikTok, it's basically a job now. Yeah. Like that can be your job. You can live in one of the hype houses or content houses and just create content with other creators all day. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing or what do you think? Ooh. Well, I think content creator, supporter of the democratization of technology, Brandon thinks, you know what, the fact that more people have access to more is a good thing overall. I think that um, like anything, it will go too far and we'll have a snapback. That's what humans do. We take something way too far and then we come back. Personal Brandon thinks it's absolute horseshit and garbage (laughs) that we're supporting people for doing like literally nothing except for distracting us from the niceties and disasters of the world. And yes, it's good to have a distraction once in a while, but people live their whole life in this sort of brave new world Soma holiday place where they just aren't dealing with any kind of reality at all. And I feel like it's just, this is it. This is the content that we're putting out there and no one's putting any effort or thought into it. It just seems vapid and empty and it's frustrating. Yeah. I, 
So both, both. No, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of on both too. Like, I agree with both of the points, but it's also like, oh, cool. This is where society's going. That's great. I, this is just as predicted, I suppose. So, <laughs> which is so interesting, though, because I, I, I am, I'm a amateur child of history, and I love to see how humanity gets to where it is. And then you look back at other trends as they come and go. Is this one of those cul-de-sac dead ends where people are just running around in circles like their chickens head off, or is this a break off of a new direction where people look back in fifty years and like, can you believe those people that didn't think TikTok would be there? Like the way contemporary classical music shot out, or the French New Wave as a, a pushback to Hollywood. Like, it's so interesting to think of it in the greater scheme of things. How, where does this fit? What will it end up being? Is it, is it new? Is it just a moment? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah, uh, it could be anything. Like, look at how just like Facebook just changed our entire world. Cool. Yeah. That's not that's a good way. Cool, 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 cool. So <laughs> thanks, Facebook. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for that. Really appreciate it. You know, so, so good. good. Yeah. It, 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 it exists. At the end of the day, it is there, regardless of how we feel about yeah. it. Yeah, and those influencers are making more money than you and I, so good for them. Combined. Yeah, good for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Way more. So that's... Over and over. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay, so now it's time to, to do our fresh content segment. <laughs> I know you're excited. Uh, every week on the show, we discuss our favorite piece of music content for the week. And we always like to start with the guest. So Brandon, what do you got for us? This is such a hard question. This is always the most difficult and vulnerable question, I feel like, in any kind of an interview. And I I have to prep for it. I have to psychologically prep for this kind of a thing. Because I remember reading a statistic when I was in my 20s that people freeze at the age of 33. They stop finding new music. They start to get boring. And I just imagined, again, the small town, two and a half kids, picket fence thing. And I have been terrified of that. So now that I'm 35 and a half, <laughs> I wanted to make sure I'm still exposing myself to new things. So... The roundabout answer to this is that it changes daily. Whatever mood I'm in in that day is the new thing I'm listening to. But for the last two or three days, I came across this three-disc compilation called Technicolor Paradise, Rum Rhapsodies, and Other Exotic Delights. Um, and it's this compilation of lesser-known exotica music from the 50s and 60s, which kind of reminds me of like tropical beachside vacations, but with like a hint of voodoo, beach goth folk horror. Ooh. So like if a Neo Morricone did like a spaghetti western in Honolulu is kind of the vibe. Oh, of, cool. I love that vibe. Album. And it's all over the place. So yeah, I think it's just the weather's bringing me in the idea of like of thinking of this washed out sort of beach, beachy summer nostalgia. Dripping with nostalgia is, is what I'm listening to. I love that. And it's so on brand for you. I feel Brad. like yes. <laughs> it's it's only music from the 50s to the 70s, mostly horror inspired. That's what uh, my fresh content is typically. <laughs> just in time for summer, everyone. <laughs> Exactly. You know, like get your black on, get your black out. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're a summer goth. I love that. That's, they, we do exist. <laughs> Amazing. What are you listening to? All right. Well, so my fresh content for the week is sort of not quite music content. And it's more like music industry adjacent, but it's about TikTok. So I feel like it's fitting. Hey. <laughs> it, it's fine. And what it is, is um, it's season two of Bloomberg's Foundering Podcast, which is called The TikTok Story. Uh, and it's basically, it, it tells the story of how TikTok came to be one of the hugest social media platforms on the planet completely changed the world and the music industry, basically, because it really did change the music industry. <laughs> True, truly, song hit songs are picked on TikTok. 
Yeah, and it actually it, it does go through like how that happens. Like it it went through how they uh, picked Savage, and it, it's incredible. So if you're interested at all in TikTok, I, I highly recommend listening to it. It's season two. It just started. They're at episode three, and they drop weekly, <clears throat> and it is very very good. If you're looking for some some podcast, almost uh, always. Oh yeah, me too. I'm always. <laughs> It's probably bad to recommend another podcast on my podcast. Oh, shit. I forgot what we were doing already. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Who cares? And also, you know, while I'm at it, there's a season one of Foundering, (laughs) which is also very good. It's it's about WeWork. So if you're... I am like obsessed with WeWork. Yeah, you know, uh, somebody actually, I realized why this podcast sounded familiar because somebody recommended this one specifically to me a week and a half ago. It's WeWork. so good. Like there's, yeah, there's a number of WeWork podcasts, um, but this one, like it's so good too. I just, I will listen to like watch, read anything about WeWork because I am like obsessed with how the tech industry continually gets taken by charlatans. <laughs> Like, I mean, it, probably fine. That's probably fine, right? That we have like no real point of reference for reality there. That's just going to keep blowing up. It's so crazy. Like the amount of money they sunk into this stupid idea. Baffling. Baffling. <laughs> it's so crazy. And it happens all the like over and over. Gene like, splicing, whatever that thing was, right? Yeah. What's her name? I, I, I don't can, know. I see her in my head. Elizabeth all Holmes the, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, with her stupid Steve Jobs turtleneck, whatever. And I think she still hasn't even admitted that it was a lie. Like, she's just so deep into it. Well, because she has all of the money. Like, what does she care? She took the money and ran. Good point. Right? Which is much like the WeWork guy. He doesn't care. He's got all of the money. (laughs) He's listening to Rum Rhapsody's and other exotic delights on a beach somewhere. (laughs) Which she is, too. They're probably doing it together. Son of a bitch. All right. We made bad choices again in life. Typical. Well, let's stick with the music industry. It's doing well. Yeah, I feel like we made a good choice there. You know, you heard a you heard a you heard a Napster. (laughs) Things things have been a bit shaky ever since. Yeah, and they just keep getting shakier. But you know what? Still decided that it's a great place to work. I'm still doing it. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier, honestly. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. I, it's on your Saturday, and I, I appreciate it. Oh, my um, absolute pleasure. Thank you for contacting me. Is there anything you want to plug before we go out here? Yeah. You know what? I would like to say congratulations to uh, my my frequent collaborator recently, Candle, because <gasps> uh, our video for Lock and Load was just nominated for the Prism Prize for 2021. We made the long list. So Incredible. we'll see how that goes in the next few months. Yeah, we just found out Thursday morning. I didn't even know that that we were going to be in there. So that was a happy surprise. Oh, my gosh. That's so amazing. I, I've loved – you did two videos for her? Three now. Three. And, and I'm right in the middle of a treatment for a fourth. Yeah, I like I like the videos that I've seen – I did. I saw a Honey Trap, and then the latest one that you've done as well. So. Yeah, she's a she's a weirdo too. So uh, we go to dark places together. It's, we get to work through trauma together on our videos, which is a lot of fun. Oh well, that sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, is king, guys. <laughs> on that note, uh, have a good rest of your way, day, and uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thank Bye, you, Jen. Bye. Well, that was fun. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Brandon. Thanks so much for listening to the FM podcast. If you like the show, please tell your friends and give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. The FM podcast is produced by Fritz Media. If you want to learn more about Fritz Media, check out our website at fritzmedia.ca. And you can follow us on Facebook. We're at Fritz Media. 
and on Instagram and Twitter at Fritz underscore media. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, go to the fmpodcast.com. A big thank you to Said the Whale for providing the theme music for the show. And you can find them, as always, at saidthewhale.com. Okay, so we're going to go out with our song of the week this week. And since Brandon mentioned his frequent video collabs with Candle, uh, I thought we'd go out with her brand new single. This is Misty Morning.
Bye. I'll see you next Tuesday.